Hi, this is Bruce Boxleitner, and you're listening to Then Is Now podcast. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. kind of a sick school is this? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me sure. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend! I love to celebrate pump in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Show me the money! Don't! Up your nose when you have the phone. What? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor, and unfortunately, I'm going it alone again today as Chris is, uh, he's got a very busy schedule. However, joining me once again are George and Gene from the Drive-In Super Monsterama, and they're going to tell us all about their upcoming September 2022 event at the Riverside Drive-In Theater in Vandegrift, Pennsylvania. This year would have been horror icon Christopher Lee's 100th birthday, and to celebrate that, George and Gene have a great showing of eight of his amazing horror films. Each April and September, they play four horror films on a Friday and Saturday, so you get eight great classic horror films, some of which you may have never seen before. So George and Gene are back to tell us all about the cool films they've lined up for the end of the month. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Food fight! Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Woo-hoo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. 
Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good. Sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh, ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! Go! Play and have fun now! Okay, folks, we are here once again with the great George and Gene. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for letting us come on. Good to be here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So glad to have you back again. Uh, yeah, it's great great to be back. And uh, it's, it's, we've been doing this for a few times now. And, uh, again, thanks for uh, your interest in supporting the event and wanting to talk about it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, the last time you guys were on was for this past April's event, which was another Back to the 80s weekend. And I'm just going to quickly read the list of films that you showed. You showed Halloween 2, Terror Train, Midnight, Effects, uh, Evil Dead 2, Reanimator, Dr. Butcher, MD, and Zombie 3. And as I told you guys last year, I wasn't able to attend, but I did watch most of them from home, uh, especially the ones that I hadn't seen before on that same weekend. So I was there in spirit, but I got to know, how did it go, guys? Uh, <laughs> well, no, it was, it was a big success. Uh, I guess uh, Gene will take it over in a minute, in a second or a minute. But uh, no, no, it was actually, it was the first time it was just, it was the first time it was officially sold out on record as far as full to capacity and that we really like, you know, the, we couldn't, we could hardly squeeze anybody else in. And we were, you know, we actually had to turn a few people away that didn't buy advanced tickets. Wow. So it was, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like it, it's reached its peak. It's, and, and I'm so happy about it. The April show it's we've been getting well you know of course the numbers show that the people showing up we're getting a lot again and we're getting more and more younger people coming to this they're very enthusiastic they just love coming out they love being there and uh it's it's a great scene it's a great big party and uh it went so well that's awesome yeah yeah that's what i was going to say we've we've sold out before for the last i mean pretty much since uh, fall 2020 we've been selling out the tickets online and stuff and but when you pass sell out you hit what's called capacity and that's what he was talking about so you know they a certain amount of uh, people in, in car spaces are in in the the uh, drive-in and uh, you know that's where you want to be when you sell out in terms of like the numbers but it's still flexible for a few people to come up you know and then when you hit capacity, that's just the end of the game. There's absolutely no more space whatsoever. And in fact, because of this and because of how the Riverside has been doing, they've moved the camping back several, um, I guess, several uh, uh, areas. Um, how far back more did it go, George? Do you have any idea? I know. I, I don't remember exactly, but what Gene is saying is actually, I, this is happening for the first time for the September show because right. of the way because of the way April was just so they could situate everything better. So, you know, we, you know, you know, you, yeah, you just, we go, you know, as this show progresses, you know, you, you start to like realize, well, what can we do to make it better or more accommodating? And that was one of the things, well, I mean, that comes from the, 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 the Riverside itself. That was their decision. And it's, uh, you know, right, that was, because there was yeah. some spaces that would have actually possibly been used, but people were set up in double camping and stuff. 
in the back and it's like you know that's that's kind of done now so <laughs> every yeah. single space is going is going to kind of count at this point because you know we don't want to have to turn people away and i have to say my big impression was you know i i told george george and i were walking through the field with everybody and i i had an anxiety attack <laughs> a hell of an anxiety attack <laughs> oh no and i just and I, and I did, it's fine. And I lost like reality for a second. You know how you do that. Yeah. And you're like, am I in a dream or am I in reality? And I haven't had one of those in God knows how many years. And I just thought, what the fuck have we done? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, oh my God. You know, because it's like that moment that you go, when, you know, I've been, I've worked on stage before and it's like that, that fine line that you walk when you're in, in front of a crowd or with a crowd where you go, I'm comfortable with this massive, body of people or I'm terrified of this massive body of people. And I guess you realize at that point that you've accumulated such a following uh, for the show and such that, you know, they're dependent on you providing something that's top-notch entertainment. And that becomes a little daunting and scary. It's not something that we can't do and that we've never done. But the moment you stop to think about it, it's like, can I walk the tightrope or will I fall and die? Is what it's like. <laughs> so it was a, it, it, it was a great, you don't look down. It was a great feeling uh, to have it happen. And George was so excited. I mean, you look at the, the highway was backed up for like a half mile or a mile or further. And people were just pouring in. It was like, oh my God, the gates, the gates are open. They're everywhere. Um, and it was extremely successful for that. And, and, and also the people that stayed later, uh, you know, we saw a longer crowd uh, throughout the night. It wasn't just people showing up for two movies and going as often one sees. And we took a big gamble with that Friday night uh, film order by doing uh, the two local Pittsburgh films, um, Effects and uh, Midnight or Midnight and Effects. And uh, it went over very well, especially Midnight. And there were a lot of people that, you know, you had your people that were like, oh, well, well no big deal. You know, I don't understand, you know, what's this movie about kind of stuff. But the majority of the people that we engaged and spoke to about this, the, the combination of those films was that, you know, you this is something wonderful that you guys did that we've never seen before. It's, it's Pittsburgh-based filmmaking. There's so much more that we can talk about. And what we found out from those two films was that it engaged the viewers uh, it, much higher than the popular films did, that it's great to see Halloween two and terror train on the big screen everything but given the opportunity to see these films some for the first time they found themselves coming back and and buying it on blu-ray and talking about it and wanting to know as much as they could know about the two movies so i was very happy that that worked out because <laughs> it was it was a programming gamble that we agreed on and it actually worked for the, our benefit so there's that. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I want to make sure I understood you guys correctly. So for this year, or, or did, I want to know if they did this also last year, because they the drive-in allows camping, like you said, in the back of the in the you know, yes. back of the yes. theater. Are they they're cutting down on those camping spaces to accommodate more cars? Is that what I was hearing? No, it's no, it's more of a yeah, consolidating, situating things. That are um, they they have it down to a science. We like luckily that's the stuff we don't have to be no, too concerned with when we're, when we're putting this together. Yeah. yeah, because they and they you know because they already have, they already have uh, had done something where they put markers you know because we don't have you don't have driving speakers anymore. So they for the last few years they've been putting poles 
which is supposed to represent the space of two cars. So that people, you know, like, so, so when people do park to watch the movies, it's, it's somewhat organized and, you know, you can, you know, realize that this space still fit two cars and it does. And, and so it started with that. And now with the camping thing, they just want to, you know, uh, because they can probably fit more campers if they just, if it's just, you know, a little more scientific, you know, thinking is involved with the situating of them. That's, that's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. So we'll, we're going to see, looking forward to seeing how that, that goes this year. Yeah. It's not going to cut down on the amount of camping that's available. What it's going to do is consolidate the space and make it yes. much more usable for both people. And such. So. Oh, okay. Oh, that's great. That's so, that's so cool. That's, that's what it's going to do. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So why don't we dive into this year's uh, September drive-in Super Monsterama showing. Tell us about uh, the theme and the films that you're going to show. Well, this year is, it's 2022, and, um, and Christopher Lee would have turned 100 in May. So it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I wanted to do something for his 100th what would have been his hundredth birthday. We did the same thing with Peter Cushing back in 2013 and, and that did well, but this, this is something that I've been thinking about for, for years. Um, so, you know, it's basically, uh, it's a, it's a whole weekend of Christopher Lee movies, but that, that entails all kinds of different, I mean, you're getting, you know, films from all different decades. You're getting films from different cult directors. You're getting, other famous horror stars on the big screen. So I think, I don't, I think it's, even though it centers on Christopher Lee, the program is, is very well-rounded. I, 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 I think it is. And, and the feedback that we've gotten so far about the lineup, everybody's, you know, uh, complimenting us about it. Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. lineup. Yeah, it's like so. You know, we're starting off with Curse of Frankenstein, which was Lee's first Hammer film. We we still we never shown that. We've shown Horror of Dracula before, so we have a great opener in, in the Curse of Frankenstein. It's something that people have been wanting to uh, to see us asking us to show for for quite a quite some time. It's a, and, it's a, as I say, you can't go wrong with Christopher Lee's film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if you're a Peter Cushing fan, that's a that's a real, you know, that's also his. First Hammer film is their first pairing together. Well, their first pairing together is Will Coaster. They had been actually featuring a couple of movies together without any scenes. Um, Moulin Rouge was one of them, but I'm I'm saying it's their first you know team pairing in in a genre film. So it's a, it's a pretty big title for us. More than a hundred years ago, in a mountain village in Switzerland lived a man whose strange experiments with the dead have since become a legend. A legend that is still told with horror the world over. We've only just started, just opened the door. But now's the time to go through that door and find what lies beyond it. But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself, and we've used it to restore a creature that was dead. This is Frankenstein, who revolted against nature, who experimented with the devil and was forever cursed. His unwilling collaborator was Paul Kremp. I can't prove you murdered, 
but I can stop you using his brain. Why? He has no further use for it? Don't be a Be careful! Go down it! Only two women ever entered this house of evil. Elizabeth, come back! Elizabeth, the lovely cousin who had promised to marry him, and Justine, the maid, who kept passionate and secret rendezvous with her master. Won't you understand you're in real danger? What Victor is doing is dangerous to everyone in the house. Now, you cannot possibly conceive what dreadful thing he's planning to do. What are you trying to tell me, Paul? That Victor's wicked? Insane? Wicked? Insane? Evil? Call Frankenstein what you will. A demon had made a man-made monster. And now, the monster was the master. Paul, what are you going to do? For your sake and to protect Elizabeth, I've so far kept silent. But now I shall go to the authorities and have them destroy that creature. And see that you pay for these atrocities. No! I think it's a good way to start the show. Yeah, and Curse of Frankenstein is the one that pretty much started the whole horror um, thing for Hammer Studios. You know, it came out a year before Horror of Dracula, and that was the one that started it all. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the first Frankenstein movie to be shot entirely in color. Yep. And and released in color. And uh, yeah, it It was a very brave departure from the, the, you know, American. And world audience was so used to the Universal Karloff thing going on, and you know, for Hammer to take this upon themselves to just you know uh, license the story and go for it, not knowing that they could have any similarity whatsoever to the Universal production, you know, and shooting in color, like George said, it, it was a big deal. I mean, and I think I think the scene that that's that sort of sped up scene where they zoom in on his face when he pulls off the bandages is, um, and, you know, and that's in our trailer. Um, which was shot by the wonderful local filmmaker Lance Parkin. Uh, it's amazing if you haven't seen the trailer. If Lance hears this podcast, he's genius. And um, it's iconic. It's just iconic. And, and you know, so much of this weekend is going to be iconic, as George was saying. There's so there's so much that iconic scenes in each one of these films that people will identify with. It's a it's a really nice time. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say, in Curse of Frankenstein, when I was a kid. I uh, I didn't understand, like you said, the whole fact that they couldn't use the universal design, so I didn't understand why the Frankenstein monster looked different. But when I look at it now, it, he could give Reagan and the Exorcist a run for her money because it's pretty damn scary. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a yeah. it's, it's a very frightening face. It's definitely uh, you know, the makeup was by Phil Leakey, um, who was one of Hammer's uh, famous makeup man, along with Roy Ashton at that in the early days. And, um, yeah, it is like a road accident of a, of a face and, uh, you know, along with like a kind of Mo Howard haircut, but yeah. it's, it's very iconic. Yeah. Yeah. So then yeah. after that, so this is Friday we're talking about Friday, September 23rd. Uh, after that, you've got house of long shadows, which has, you know, all three horror icons. It's got, you know, Lee Cushing and Vincent Price, as well as John Carradine. So he'd be the fourth one. Mm-hmm. All I need is somewhere I can have total isolation and, above all, atmosphere. What lives in this house? 
No one would want to live in Balpatermana. What stalks these halls? It's a cursed place. Yes, I saw the movie. What hides in these shadows? And who is playing that piano? Welcome to the house of the long shadows, home of mystery, suspense, danger. And now the four masters of horror are moving in, Vincent Price. We came here this evening to unlock the final door to our destiny. Christopher Lee. It would seem, Mr. McGee, that we are imprisoned here. Peter Cushing. It is all I have ever known. Fear. John Carradine. Death is our only true destiny. Joined by Desi Arnaz. You ain't seen nothing yet. House of the Long Shadows. You could lose your life. Worse. Will this talented young man wager his very life for one night with this girl and these strange bedfellows? House of the Long Shadows. There's one missing. What is its diabolical secret? And suddenly, out he jumped. He didn't even look human. Which key unlocks the horrible truth? I'm afraid it is begun. And who spiked the punch? House of the Long Shadows. It's delightfully puzzling. It would appear that you are creating a mystery where there is none. And a frightfully good time. He must have heard us singing. House of the Long Shadows. The murderously funny mystery with a twist. Yes, I see what you mean. House of the Long Shadows. Vincent Price, that's me. Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, John Carradine, and Desi Arnaz. In a Golan Globus production of a Pete Walker film. House of the Long Shadows. From Canon Releasing. Does Vincent Price have scenes with Lee and Cushing at all? Oh, they sure do. They're in a lot of scenes together. In fact, um, they, they're, they're uh, what turns out to be brothers. Oh, I that's right. <laughs> they're actually brothers. John Carradine is the father. And Sheila Keith, who was... Um, I mean, she's like, she became, in the 70s, she became like the, the female, uh, I don't know, the female, the, the female Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee, because she was in all these Pete Walker movies, and she played some pretty, pretty, pretty nasty, evil characters, and, was, and this is directed by Pete Walker. Right, right. Who are we, who and, are we and, talking and about real quick? I'm we're talking about Sheila Keith. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. The actress. Sorry, you cut off. Um, My apologies. Yeah, no, so, I mean, the cast is wonderful. This is a movie, I mean, this is now, now, this brings us to the 80s. This movie came out in, in 83. I don't think it played in the U.S. till, till, till 83 or 84. It was released here by Canon. And, um, it's, you know, it's an, I was thinking of doing this, uh, throwing this in in April. It's a film I've been wanting, it's, again, it's like, this is a film that's been, on the back burner for years to show because of, because of all, you know, it represents and it's something a little bit, you know, different than the usual, uh, Cushing Lee price movie where it, you know, brings it to the eighties and, uh, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. And, um, you know, it's, it's got, you know, some people are not, uh, you know, have criticisms about it, but I think it has a big, pretty big following. And I think it's, it's 
it's for the most part entertaining. And plus we get to show our first Pete Walker film. Gene and I are both big Pete Walker fans. We love his, uh, 70s horror and exploitation. So, yeah. 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 So, and, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, and that's why I wanted to show a second because I wanted it to be, you know, uh, towards the beginning of the show. And, right. Uh, and you know what? It has, we, it has a nice modern feel because, you, you know, and we talked about this, George, you go from the, the like the beginning of Christopher Lee and Hammer to this ultimate um, evolution to House of Long Shadows. And it's nice to see the comparison. Of the two back to back. Yeah, we're jumping. We're jumping a lot of years right. and a lot That's of film amazing. history, a lot of British horror history. But yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm very happy that those, you know, that's playing second and and Curse is playing first. I'm yeah. excited about House of House of Long Shadows. It's probably one of the films. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everything that weekend. But that's one of the films I'm really looking forward to seeing on the big screen because. It, it was something that when it came out, I would have surely went to see in the theater. But being in New York, I don't think it ever played uh, in this area. I know it, played, it had like a limited run in, in in on the West Coast, like in Cal, in Cal, I guess in California. I don't know where else it played. I mean, the it, it was quickly, you know, uh, brought to home video. by Cal. I remember like renting it, you know, when it was new to video, and it, I thought it was direct to video because I. As far as I knew at the time, I didn't, you know, uh, follow it, uh, see any proof of it getting any theatrical play, you know, because that's, you know, this is years before the internet. You just depending on what you saw in Fangoria or whatever. Or, I was you about know, to say, wasn't it listed in that back section? Wasn't that back section for, there was like a, a little back section release page in Fangoria, and I think I remember seeing it. I mean, it was, the listings in Fangoria were as contemporary as it could be for the time, and I guess we would be looking for that movie about that month or the next month. And um, I don't remember ever seeing that film there. I think seeing it there only and maybe when Famous Monsters was still around. And that was it. And having no acknowledgement of it until it came on to um, um, VHS rental, I think. Yeah, it was one of those big canon. Um, yep, the MGMUA yeah. had the canon. They were, at that time, they Pushing had the, the canon they were all films. Pushing the fact that yeah. everybody was in the film, that's a big selling point. And right. then, then it was uh, it was on HBO. I used to be on HBO a lot. Yes, yeah. It was shown on HBO a lot, so I was able to tape it yeah, off it, there. It, at that it fits time. into that. It fits into that time period for some of the, the horror films that were in, coming out around that time period. It fits into that sort of uh, same feeling, like Monster Club. Right. Comes to mind. Yeah. Maybe I, I mean I think it's in a similar genre. In terms of the, you know, when it was made and how the production was done, and with uh, the multiple, you know, these guys are kind of like uh, retired from the business, sort of, yeah. and they're getting together to have fun and make and make these cool movies. And I think that's more, I think that, and you see that with you see in the acting in that film, House of Long Shadows, you can actually see, I think, the pleasure that they get out of interacting with one another and the irony and the, tr- the plot twists and stuff. They have a lot of fun with the roles. Yeah. Which makes it unique and exciting for, you know, for us to see them all together doing that. And I think that's another great thing about the film. Right. Oh, yeah. Level two. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up in in the Boston area and I don't think that um, that played in Boston either because I probably would have seen it. My parents would have taken me to see it. Because I was thirteen, but um, Bill I, would be the one to ask. Ask Bill. Cause yeah, you, you, you know, Bill would know that. He'd probably be the one to tell you where it played. Because 
he's pretty much an expert on that stuff from doing his, his uh, project. So. Right, exactly. And you know what? I When I asked the question, is this the one where they weren't all together in the film, I was thinking of um, Scream and Scream Again, where I don't think they had... Yeah, they all were as well, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, Scream and Scream Which Again only... talking about. Yeah. I, like, we, go, we did show Scream and Scream Again, uh, one of the earliest shows. It's, it's actually one of my personal favorite movies. Uh, horror movies and um yeah like that some cushing is a, is a cameo and then lee and price are in it and they have some brief scenes at the end yeah and that film you know even though it's got the three marquee names in it you know that's just part of the fascination of that film i never held it against it like some people it's like why are these you know they're in it together but they don't have you know it's just it, that's just one of the facets of this fascinating film i mean this is my opinion this this fascinating you know, uh, modernized science fiction, uh, you know, uh, horror film from the late, late sixties. That's, that's, you know, got all these, these interesting ideas coming from, you know, Christopher Wicking's uh, screenplay and, uh, you know, maybe a bit confusing, but I think it all gels together. And I think that film is just full, filled with good, you know, character actors and, and it, it's, it's very colorful, and uh, like I said, that that is one of my favorite movies. That to me is like the ultimate cult horror movie. Right. And speaking of character actors, your uh, the film you're going to show after House of Long Shadows on Friday the twenty third is um, Count Dracula from nineteen seventy, which is directed by the legendary Jess Franco, and it's got the character actors, great character actors, Herbert Lom and Klaus Kinski, which I really enjoy that movie too. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. fantasy there are certain facts that's the and that, that's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show how even though this this weekend is is devoted to lead there's a lot of diversity in, in the movies that were shown because we're covering a lot of we, we 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 haven't shown a Jess Franco movie yet so this is the first one and this might yep. be one of the more, I don't know, I, I guess we could call more mainstream as far as Jess Franco's career is concerned. But it still, it definitely applies. And uh, it's definitely an interesting take. On, you know, this is, this is Lee doing Dracula outside of Hammer um, for the first time. And um, it, again, it has its fans. It has its, you know, uh, critics but uh, again I, I i i i like the film i think overall it's 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 a good it's a good looking production and i think it was and, a good uh, attempt you know, to try to be closer to the novel yeah a lot of people like the criticism is that it starts really well and then it kind of like you know 
the, as it, as it evolves, it, it's not as good as it start, as it starts. Like it starts really faithful <laughs> oh. to the novel, and that kind of. But that's just. That, I mean, this, this is just opinions out there. I mean, I and I don't take it. I don't take it that that to heart. You know, I, I enjoy the movie, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people do actually. Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good choice because I'll tell you why. It's because you know Christopher Lee. It's getting away with having him play Dracula, but not the Hammer Dracula. And you know, I in interviews he said this was his favorite portrayal of the character, different from the Hammer one, if I'm not mistaken. And that you know he really was proud of making this film. So that's another reason why. You know, there's he's if you've ever watched any of the interviews with Christopher Lee, he's he's uh, really blatant about how he feels about things. You know, he despised making curse of the crimson altar and george and i think it's like greatest movie ever <laughs> and i remember there's an interview on one of those old uh uk collection dvds and it may it may have it may be the one that was transferred to the is it on the odeon one the odeon blu-ray george the one where he says it's an interview about the movie on the disc and he's saying it's the worst piece of shit i ever made <laughs> it's like you know I don't remember, but I've probably seen it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's talking about his career and about the movies that he enjoyed making and, you know, the highs and lows and uh, Prince of Darkness. He loved the, the, I guess, despite the fact that he refused to speak, that's the big story about that one. He didn't want to do uh, Prince of Darkness. Uh, and then he agreed to do it. And then he said that it, only if they let him write the script, change the script. And then it, it changed to, I'm not going to talk at all during the entire film. <laughs> and they let him get away with it, and uh, it, really, it's the truth. And, yeah, and oh, I yeah. think he, I think up, in, I think up until the very last film that he did, that the, you know, the the one with Joanna Lumley and such in the seventies, I think he pretty much, I feel like he had a lot of control over what he was saying and doing with the character. But uh, in this interview, he says, um, "Yes, I made this awful piece of shit called Curse of the Crimson Altar. It's the worst film I've ever made." And I thought, wow, you know, here's the guy that went to do the featurette for this. And <laughs> he's getting, he's finding out that, you know, I'm, geez, I'm going, thanks a whole lot there, Chris. Uh, I thought I was going to turn in something, you know, <laughs> a little more friendly towards the actual genre. Well, he genre did that film, film at the time. He did it at the time because Karloff was in it. You know, he wanted to, right. he wanted to do a film with Karloff. Right. I right. think, like, from what I've, I've, I've also heard interviews where he, you know, he, was yes. thinking Carlos wasn't right. going to be around too much longer, and he was an opportunity to make it. He already done a film about the decade, almost a decade earlier. Yeah, uh, Quarters of Blood with Carlos, but this, uh, yeah. But getting back to Count Dracula, um, yeah, it's uh, it's so we we have our first Jess Franco movie, and like Yay. like she was saying, it was it's a good choice because also because you know it became available to show. Uh, we were able to book it easily, and. Um, and we've shown a lot of the the Hammer Dracula. You know, I wanted to get away from some of those, and show, and, and he was the perfect opportunity. And he he does um, have a lot more screen time than he does in, in a lot of those Hammer films. So nice. As much as I love them, but I'm just I think Count Dracula is a great representation of a of a lead horror film vampire movie Dracula movie for this weekend. So I'm I'm happy that that we're showing it. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And my yeah. new show, my, I've got th- I've got a third podcast now called The Cult Movie Lounge, and my co-host is Robert Manel, who's got this award-winning blog about Jess Franco, and I'm going to have to fast-track that one and, and put Count Dracula in there so we can try and you know release it around the time of your uh, event in, in the drive-in. Yeah. So we can talk about that. And then your fourth film on Friday the 23rd is Castle of the Living Dead from 64. And I remember this being particularly scary. And it's it's got Donald Sutherland in a supporting role, too, which is always a plus. Slowly, relentlessly, destiny ticks off the terrifying minutes of anguish that frees the blood. of the living dead. In an atmosphere of horror, the story of a man who violates the forbidden frontiers of science to arrive at a frightful but lucid madness and atrocious inhuman crime. Starring the unforgettable creator of Dracula, Christopher Lee, in a new triumphant performance, breathtaking as never before, Sadistic and pitiless, subtle and monstrous. a thrill a minute, it will hold you spellbound with its unexpected shocking surprises in which tragic reality and unearthly fantasy blend in an atmosphere of horror and suspense. Donald Sullivan and supporting role, he actually plays two roles. He's a, uh, a police uh, lieutenant or a sergeant or but he's also plays an old uh, witch hag. Oh, that's right. I and forgot about that. I thought it was, yeah, I thought so, maybe it was three roles. Is it three roles? Wasn't there another one he did too? No, it's 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 those two. two? Unless okay. unless he did, you know, with songs from the back. Or, but no, it's those those two roles, and he's dubbed as the witch. This was a um, uh, this was a, a Paul Meslansky production that was shot in Italy. And um, it's it's an interesting it's interesting black and white period piece. Again, with Lee playing, you know, you could tell they were they were they were uh, harping on on Lee's Dracula persona for this. He plays a a count that basically petrifies living things in his castle, and his acting troupe comes up to it. But like like you think, it's very it's like something we. Well, here's the thing with this movie. And somebody reminded me of this because this was in in the United States. This movie was sold directly to television by AIP TV. So it, it, it's sixty four, yeah. but I think it showed up by the mid sixties or late sixties. It was already on, you know, TV, and we grew up watching it on late night TV. But I think this could very well this could very well be the first time that this movie has been shown in a U.S. movie theater. Wow. 
Probably. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I just yeah. looked it up. He did play Sutherland did play three roles. He played Sergeant Paul, he played the witch, and the old man. Yeah, because I thought, because here's, here's the thing. I knew he played multiple roles, and I, when I watched it with somebody, and <laughs> I said, wow, he played two polar opposite characters. And they said, two, he played three. And I was like, what do you mean? Which one was the old man? I mean, I've, I've, I watched the movie again. I, in fact, I just I remember it again not too long ago. Maybe it's just like something you don't you see very briefly. But I apologize, Gene, because now that you say I mean, now it, it springs to mind that there wasn't the three. But I, I couldn't think of the, because I, again, I just watched it, and maybe, uh, yeah, it's probably something, it's probably a character you don't really see. Yeah, find, well, maybe find in the a crowd third, shot. Find the third character, yeah. because I don't think we, we, we know where it's at. Unless <laughs> it's not true, we too. It could be not true. Well, I did get sometimes that info yeah. off of IMDb, so, you know, t- sometimes you got to take yeah, that with be, a grain of salt. Yeah, it could be not true. Or he could have just been, you know, doing something like, in the, like a background character or something, and, you know. Right. And not get credit for it. And also, also you know, while you're while you're in that IMDb, that the filming location with the giant statues and stuff, um, it, it, I guess that place is still there. It's, there was a yes, it's a weird. It's a, um, it's a really strange location with a bunch of these huge weird statues and and such and and, and sort of the one that's like a big by. head. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Oh wow! And they make nice that's, use of that. I've seen it in other movies. I remember there was right. one of those uh, Italian spy movies with um, Kerwin Matthews that was shot in color that used it. So it was interesting Kerwin to see Matthews. it in color. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, I forget, this was one of those, he did like a, a, some spy movies in the 60s and I can't remember the name. I can't remember which one it was, but, but I did get to see those, that, those, uh, those images in color of that, the location, which is great. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, another thing about really this movie. Too. Wait, in uh, uh, Christopher Lee or the or Donald Sutherland? Well, Christopher Lee, I was going to say the the thing about the, in this film that I noticed immediately, and I I know you'll you'll support this, is that the way he plays, I think, is Count Drago. You know, yes. it seems that he has he you know he has this really like recessed black makeup around his eyes and stuff, and he's he just com- Lee commands the character in such a fashion as he did with Dracula and all the other films where he creates a very sinister figure that seems to float sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for in harmony with the weird, the weird environment, the castle that he lives in, you know, that's one of the things about him when he shows up, he's sort of like, um, a living part of the living set. You don't, do you follow what I'm saying? Like when you watch movies, you see villains and stuff and you see like the castles and all this stuff, but there seems to be this weird organic connection always with me where I see him and I see him in these locations and I go, you know, he, he fits. He just, he, he this character is believable as being this weird, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. kooky castle or something. He just, he, he accentuates the, his characters accentuate the, the sets and vice versa. And you don't, uh, you, sometimes in these movies with these actors and such, you don't get that type of, you know, fluidity that you get with Christopher Lee. And he did it in the Star Wars film. He did it in the Star Wars films and, and Lord of the Rings. He just has an ability as, as a, as a, had an ability as uh, an actor to become that, that, 
that person and and that was believable in that setting and that that it, that's fantastic and it, it's one of the things that i've always enjoyed in his films and in particular in this film i just remember thinking oh my god only somebody as weird as this guy could live in this place you know <laughs> yeah and right because i mean it's like you know you always see those the way people parody like you know the monsters and stuff where it's like you see monsters and living in a spooky house or something and you have these parodies and it just he just he fits so well in this film the character is so strange um it's it's the perfect thing like george said for like uh american television and i know it was on Tiller theater here i think i've seen it listed back in the day but it's the perfect thing that somebody would turn on on a saturday night at midnight and see him in that castle and go Christopher Lee's on this weird movie in this castle, and he's an evil town, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, and, and yeah. that plays well. To, that plays well to audiences, especially younger people that didn't grow up seeing that the way George and I did on television as a kid. This is sort of their moment as a kid to see this at the drive-in on a big screen and feel that same sort of weird you know sensibility about it i guess i don't know oh yeah and we had channel channel 11 in new york where i grew up they used to show it usually they showed it like two or three a.m in the morning there's this thing called the channel 11 film festival and it was always on there. It was like, yeah. Oh yeah. So, when we first uh, had, have to stay up really late. When we first had uh, cable, we'd get WOR and PIX, you know, channel nine and eleven yeah. from New York. And uh, I would, I'd stay up late with my mother. And I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it the first time. I haven't seen it since then. Probably. Um, but I did just quickly look it up. The castle is in Italy. <laughs> it's or- Orsini Odescalchi Castle. Uh-huh. So I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but that's that's what the <laughs> castle was called. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, oh, I'm so jealous. I really wish I could get Isn't down there and plus, see this. Though? Is what? That's a, that's such a plus for these films like this because even in the Hammer films, they had to build these crazy sets and stuff. And when you have these films made in Spain or especially in Italy, there's sort of this entire landscape of these crazy places that you can mm-hmm. just you know acquisition or whatever and use for your filming location. Oh yeah. And, that's great about that. That makes the film all the more exciting and atmospheric. I totally. But I'm watching this tonight after we hang up. By the way, you guys got me pumped. Yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna have to watch Count, it too. Count Dracula also the same kind of thing in in reverse of the Hammer films with all the sets. They use real locations. So this castle is a real location, and that's yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, heck, look at what um, Charles Band did. You know, remember he? It, what was it in the '90s? He bought a castle in Romania for like a million bucks, and he employed all the local citizens around it to help him make his films, and he used reused it over and over for different movies. Yeah, that's right. Castle yep. freak, castle freak. Yep, sub uh, yeah, subspecies. Um, oh, a yeah. whole bunch of his movies. Probably some of the puppet masters too. I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, Castle Freak is not that bad of a film. It's like it was never something that was on my radar, and for some reason. I don't know if there was a recent Blu-ray release for the last couple of years or something, but I was, during COVID, it was a film that I revisited, and uh, I found it to be not as bad as I remember back in the day as a video rental. Yeah. I kind of liked it, so that's that's very fun. I think that had a Lovecraft connection, because I remember watching that when it first came on video, yeah. and I saw it again recently because yeah. it was on Joe Bob's show on um, on Amazon Prime. 
So let's move on to Saturday, the 24th of September here in the year of 2022. Your first movie is one of my favorites. I love this freaking movie. It's called The Wicker Man from 1973. Now, I'm going to say I refuse to watch the remake with Nicolas Cage. I am not going to watch that. But what really made me want to watch this was not only Christopher Lee in it as sort of the antagonist, but the protagonist was Edward Woodward, who was on one of my favorite shows, The Equalizer, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So that would be awesome. Edward Woodward was... Yeah, he was a huge TV star in England at the time when they made that movie. He did a few movies. He was in a, in a Breaker detective Morant. series called, called Callahan, and yeah. he'd done some others. Yeah, well, Breaker Morant was a he's a he's a fantastic actor, and he's just on. And I mean, you know, not he's not for anything, but I mean, not, you know, I don't take away from Lee, but Edward Woodward really carries that film, and it's like you're kind of with him. And you're kind of like not with him, and you know you, you you know what I mean, like his beliefs, his character. You you kind of think he's a little too stern, but you at the end you just you know you really just feel bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> but he's just he played. I mean, I couldn't see that movie better cast though with with him in that role. I mean, that's why, like you say, I refuse to see the the Nicholas Cage because I don't think there's any need for. It. I mean, when you when something is done. So perfect. I don't like. I've never seen the remake of Psycho. Yeah. Because it's like, what? I, I, I mean, that's that's just me. I don't. You know, it's done so perfect the first time. I don't. I don't understand the reason. Oh, I'd watch the sequels because that's different. You know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the Wicker Man. It's like it was done perfect, and and that's that's that. You know. I don't need to see it redone. And you know, that's the thing. We just did a show recently where we talked about the original Fright Night and then we talked about the remake. And my takeaway was I don't need the remake. I mean, it's not a terrible movie, it's a decent monster film, but I've already got the original. I have no need to ever watch the remake again. Yeah. The Wicker Man remake was, it was okay. I, you know, I, I, the thing that I thought, I mean, it, I don't like any of these remakes, as you guys have heard me say over the years. I just don't see any point in them. Um, I didn't hate it. I thought that it was a nice idea to get people to watch um, to watch the original. Um, I love. Uh, I I really like Nicolas Cage a lot, and oh, yeah. especially the, the films he's been doing recently have been fantastic. I know people think he's way out there, but um, you know these recent films he's been doing, especially the horror ones, have been really entertaining to me. Um, but, you know, you have to look back at this being the really big first uh, folk horror film, okay? Yeah. And, um, and you know, I, I hate I hate that film that just came out like three years ago. And I mean, I really dislike it. That's Midsummer. I can't stand that film. Oh, I didn't and see that. I, I just, I, well, it's terrible. And you know what? If I was Swedish, I would find him and punch him in the face. That's for sure. <laughs> so I, people in People in people in Sweden don't wear flowers and run around in death cults. That really pissed me off. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm kind of a pagan. That's kind of my sort of my religion and whatever. And I kind of take that sort of mockery very much to, to heart when people think that you know this is what's going on. And um, you know, I just Midsummer is such a ripoff in so many ways, in my opinion of of. Um, of the Wicker Man, you know, it's, it just really is, and and I don't like it for that reason. Edward Woodward, I want to just mention to you guys, is massively popular for the TV series The Equalizer. Um, if you guys remember that, the American spy thriller. Um, oh yeah. The- I think he did. I think he did a British show called Off the Track Again. 
uh, Callan. Yeah, he did a series from 67 to 72 called Callan. Uh, I think it ran on the BBC, and that was another big, um, another big, yeah, another big spy thing. So, you know, there were people that were in the hands of Edward Woodward, Woodward that, uh, you know, a great introduction uh, to his career with the, the Wicker Man film. And like George said, the ending is just terrible. I can't sit through this film. While we're showing it, I'll find something. I mean, I'll be selling T-shirts, but I won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it so depressing, especially at the end. Yeah. So, um, but but the buzz on it is massive, and George can tell you that. That's all people have been talking about is the Wicker Man. It's like it, it's going to be a, a big Saturday night because of that film. It's. it's I think I'm I'm, tr- I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested to see like people that come to this that haven't seen the film and or not familiar with it. Right. are going to take to it you know I, I you know it's very unusual you know you got the music in there and the, they mean like you know some people might come to the, sh- the show and go what you know this is monsterama they may not get it but then i'm hoping gene's theories are correct that it's it's got that huge following and, and yeah yeah it, it, you know, it, the- it really does it, it does and the funny thing is there are these when you go back and you talk to these younger fans, which we've been, you know, that have been coming to these shows and stuff. And it's weird how certain films randomly pop out more, uh, something that they understand more and they, that they're more involved in and, and wanting to see. And Wicker Man is one of those films. It's like, I'm not quite sure how it reached them, but it did. Right. And, you know, you can, you can rattle off like 10 movies of, of, that, of a similar, a similar time period with Christopher Lee and stuff. And, They'll just look at you like, well, huh? What? And then you say Wicker Man. They go, oh, my God, I love Wicker Man. So, yeah, George, is like, sure. you know, it, it, remember Anchor Bay put out that great box set that was made out of wood. That was such a great I have that. Mess. I have that. I do, too. Yeah. I have it, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I now, have it too. That DVD has two versions of the film. One had added footage in, which you can kind of see the difference. W- which version are you guys going to be showing? Yes. It looks like it's going to be the director's cut because that's what's made available to us, which works well because it's it's well paced. I I prefer this the director's cut only because it has um, you know it's different scenes, but it it, it has more characterization of uh, the Sergeant Howie character at the beginning. Right. It, it really right. you know it's that's what that's what I feel is missing from the director's cut, where it kind of just starts where he's flying to the summer aisle, you know? Yeah. But that's what's available to, you know, and, that, uh, and a lot of the footage from, from those exclusive scenes to the director's cut are only available. The, the, the quality is a little dodgy. Um, yeah, not, not, I would say dodgy, is, but, yeah. but, you know, so Lionsgate, uh, or actually it's, um, Rialto pictures via Lionsgate are, are making, uh, you know, made that available and it's director's cut. They've been showing it, you know, for a few years now. And, uh, we're also getting to the devil, a daughter from them. Oh, nice. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, moving on, on that Saturday, the 24th, your second film is going to be one of my favorites as well. Horror express. Um, just another one that I love. Saw that one when I was a kid. And I remember my a buddy of mine and I was staying overnight, you know, sleeping over his house and we watched it and it just scared the crap out of us. <laughs> For two million years in these subterranean caves, a creature of superhuman evil was entombed in a wall of ice, waiting 
to be free. Waiting to live again. Travel with us on a journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. that lived two million years ago. Got out of that crate, killed the baggage man and put him in there. Yes, I am. It's alive. It must be. Travel with us, if you dare, on the Horror Express. No one can stop the fury and the terror of the Horror Express. You know, a, a great pairing of Lee and Cushing, and Lee's kind of a good guy in this one. So I like that. He's a good guy. This is definitely one of the best Lee Cushing pairings. It's early seventies. It's a uh, Spanish British co-production. He does have like more of the feeling of like a Spanish horror film. The the director is is Spanish. Most of the cast, it's an international cast of a lot of actors that are in Spanish horror film genre films, like Telly Savalas. Uh, you know. Well, he was, uh, you know, he had done a, a number of films for that company, uh, uh, Nova Scotia. He had done like, uh, right. Oh, what was it? We did Lisa uh, and the playing, Devil. Uh, no, no, no. It wasn't Lisa. And, it was, um, it was uh, like a, 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 I think he did a Western and he did, um, well, Pancho Villa. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So he was a, he was he he knew the you know was involved with the producer and uh, I guess that's why he's in that film. But he definitely definitely makes makes his his appearances is fantastic. It's just a great it's a it's a it's a film that that works absolutely perfectly. The monster looks great. Yeah, you know, oh the yeah. Effects are great. You got some you got some good gore. This was uh, you were saying you know on our ch- WR Channel Nine they ran the hell out of it and and. I mean, it showed up on TV not too long after it was in the theater. So it was, it was, it was pretty wild to see something like that. It was like more, you know, like you see like those newer films in the seventies when you're a kid on television. They looked more, you know, they were kind of, they they were different. They were more. Uh, there was something more. Um, I wouldn't say frightening, but they had a, a definite difference than like the older universal films they kind of like creeped you out more yes and they yeah. were more you know yeah. like yeah it was like this was my takeaway one the soundtrack is absolutely haunting i never forgot it after i was seeing it as a kid um you can hear that song in your head continually and i found it to be basically an agatha christie murder mystery with an alien it's murder on the orient express with uh, it's supposedly with based on the same story as the thing as as what? As the thing. Oh yeah, who goes there, there was go. the novella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And, and and here's the thing about it too is that um, yeah, very much so. 
But, you know, it, it, when you were a kid and you're watching this, and George, we talked about this so many times, it was that great Saturday afternoon British horror film, film feeling that you just spent two hours watching something that was a lot of fun. You didn't lose your, you know, your imagination. Um, it comes across in some ways almost like an episode of the series Doctor Who, you know, yeah. I mean, this crazy plot with this, this crazy plot with this alien that's been trapped on Earth and it's, it's jumping bodies and it, it's not really horror, it's horror sci-fi. You know, they, they come upon it like the doctor and his companion would and they have to solve the mystery and stop it from spreading and escaping this, um, this train. And uh, as a kid, I just ate that up. I thought, my God, this is, if this is an example, I'm thinking in my head as a kid, of really good writing and science fiction horror, this is what I want to see all the time. And that's, that's how it worked on a level it did for me. And it was creepier and scarier than the universal stuff. You know? Oh, yeah. It was, it was a lot more frightening. The glowing eye haunts me. And, there's something... and it actually played on a double bill with Psychomania, the, the, uh, wow. and I the just British Michael Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah. I just watched Psychomania last night. I had a house guest. Yeah, so those two, those, those two are packaged. And, and again, that was another one that was that was sold to TV pretty quickly. Yeah, that's a um, fun one. At the same time, it's Horror Express. So we showed that one. Actually, there's a little there's a little bit of uh, trivia with our screening of Horror Express. This is this is the first movie in Monsterama history that we have actually shown before. Huh? We showed Horror Express in the very first uh, event in 2007. But uh, we're bringing it back. Back then, we had we were showing a, a 35 print of this back then, and it was you know it was very yep. very yep. faded. And um, now we're we, you know we're able to to bring a, a nicer, crisper looking uh, DCP nice. of the of the more, most recent. Uh, um, yep. So you know I, we you know I figured by you know I always I, I've said this before. It's like if we show something that we've shown in the past, which is the first time we're doing that, it'll be because we want to, not because we have to. And this is something I, I you know, because in 2007, when we had this first uh, first event, it wasn't, you know, an overwhelming success. It was, we had a decent crowd, but it was not, you know, it was just in its beginning. And yeah, right. So a lot of people, like most of the people there. that come now were not there, except for Gene and maybe a couple <laughs> others. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to bring this one to the, to the, to the Leah. Centenary celebration. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So moving on, on Saturday the 24th, you've got, uh, as you mentioned, To the Devil, A Daughter, which, man, the, the cast is unbelievable. I mean, not only Christopher Lee, but you got Richard Widmark, Honor Blackman, Denholm Elliott, and a very young Natasha Kinski. Uh, just an amazing yeah. cast in that one. The evil power of black magic has fascinated millions of moviegoers. In 1967, Rosemary's Baby. In 1974, The Exorcist. And now, a motion picture that probes further into the mysteries of the occult that any has dared before. 98% of so-called Satanists are nothing but pathetic freaks who get their kicks out of dancing naked in freezing churchyards. I have a feeling of dealing with that other 2%. Richard Widmark challenges Christopher Lee for the soul of a girl named Catherine in the terrifying film of Dennis Wheatley's sensational bestseller, To the Devil, 
a daughter. Te adoro et te invoco. They've got Catherine. And we've got to get her back before it's too late. When this ceremony has been performed, I shall destroy you, John Burney. The demons hate you, Rainer. They're waiting for you. Catherine. Catherine. You are warned. The full shock, the full satanic horror, is yet to be revealed. It's a me! Don't! written by Dennis Wheatley. It's part of that whole uh, oh, supernatural yeah. thing that Dennis Wheatley had done with like uh, The Devil Rides Out, yep. uh, also known as The Devil's Own from uh, from uh, Hammer, and of course also Devil's The Witches, Bride. a.k.a. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And good stuff. So it's, it's part of the whole uh, Dennis Wheatley, uh, you know. Well, not the, I don't think The Witches, The Witches wasn't, The Witches wasn't uh, Dennis Wheatley, but uh, I the most confident. The Lost Continent oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. And like, yeah. supposedly he did not like this. Dennis really did not like the Lost Continent. He did not like the Devil's Daughter, but he did like the Devil's Bride, and, uh, or the Devil Rides Out, I should say. And um, yeah, this is the, the Devil's Daughter is definitely Hammer. Um, this is the last of the original Hammer horror films. And I say that, I mean, you know, before they, reformed with uh reformed using the name in the 2000s or right there thereabouts this is yeah. the last time i came out in 1976 yep and shot in 75 i think and um yep. it's, yeah so it's it, it bookends with curse of frankenstein is like the first hammer horror film with lee and the last hammer horror film with lee of the nice. original hammer yeah that's so, awesome yeah, and it's a, it's it's definitely an edgier film. It's uh, it, it's uh, it's a little uh, it's a little off the it's a little off the wall, right? And it was it, funny. They, they I were trying to be modern. They were trying to go with the times of the HBO. HBO, I think, ran in nineteen seventy nine or seventies something. I saw it on HBO. That was the first place I had seen it. Was was on HBO. I didn't warm up to it. I'll be honest with you guys. I, I mean, I saw it later, and of course bought it. I think it, when it came out from Anchor Bay or whatever, liked it a lot. But when I first saw it, I didn't. I just didn't warm up to it when it came out. So I just didn't. It's I, actually, I mean, it was. I was in a weird space then. You know, I was. I had just seen Halloween, and that's all <laughs> I gave a shit about. I wasn't going pro slasher film, but. Uh, Halloween changed my life, and, and still to this day, in such a capacity that that was the that was the handoff from those films to the next genre that I was going to follow. And and I, it, you know, I just it didn't it didn't ring a bell with me when I saw it the first time. This is a satanic cult movie, you know, via Hammer trying to 
I wouldn't say you know they had they were trying to keep up with the times of the of the of the modern films like sure. uh, the Exorcist sure. and the Omen, even though this was uh, probably shot yes around the same time it came out at the same time as the Omen, so I shouldn't say it's like an Omen ripoff, but you know they were definitely you could see with this movie they were trying to it was they were trying to uh, it was better marketable at the time than it was otherwise. So yeah, 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 totally. And it was funny because I haven't seen this one in a long time and I was watching the trailer earlier today and halfway through I shut the trailer off. I'm like, nope, nope, they're giving away too much. I don't remember it. So I want to I want to watch it fresh without knowing a lot. <laughs> and and Lee's yeah, fantastic in this. He's really he's really sinister. He's like a smirking, defrocked priest who's really just like a wicked character. And, and he's really good in this. Yeah. 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 Great supporting uh, actors, too. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know yeah. Richard Widmark is. I think this is a really good one uh, that he's done. Um, so moving on, we've got Horror Hotel, aka City of the Dead, from 1960. This is Whitewood, Massachusetts. A young girl. A stranger has come to Whitewood to do research. She has come, she thinks, to study. Leave Whitewood. Leave Whitewood tonight. I beg of you. Leave before it is too late. In spite of this warning, the girl lingers on. years old. Human blood keeps them alive forever. I hadn't seen this until probably about a year ago. Um, I really liked it. I just don't know a heck of a lot about this movie. Well, it's a British. Uh, uh, it's a, it's from the early sixties. It was produced by uh, Sabosky, Milton Sabosky, and uh, Max J. Rosenberg before they actually formed what what is known as Amicus. So a lot of people look at this as the you know the first or the precursor of the Amicus, Amicus movies. It's a black and white. It's a it's a well, really well made. Uh, directed by John uh, Moxie, who later you know did a lot of TV uh, TV work, including the the Night Stalker movie. And but uh, he directed this, and uh, it's shot in black and white. It takes place in New England, so you have a lot of British actors, including Christopher Lee, doing you know uh, quasi or. Is it quasi or pseudo or fake, whatever you want to say, in American accents? Um, yeah, and they and they do it well. It's a, it's very creepy. A Valentine Dial is is very good, and a Patricia Jessel playing witches. They're very, you know, again, just just really well made atmospheric it's black and white bound. movie. That's sort of what makes it it's studio bound. It's yes, it's yeah, very studio bound. The atmosphere <laughs> is 
areas. <laughs> a lot of fog machines and, and uh, but yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those films that fell in the public domain. So it, it not only played on TV a lot back in the day, but it was like a VHS staple where it was like, it was probably like a hunt, like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. It was probably like a right. bunch of different VHS yeah, uh, yeah, versions yeah. of it. You know, yeah, yes, an EP, I, the EP VHS bargain bin. Right. So it's one of the yeah, famous, very true. It's one of the famous PD horror movies, you know, along with like Dementia 13 and right. The Terror. Sure. And uh, The Shop of Horrors and things like that, you know. All these films I think, that, you know. I picked it you know, up at the dollar store like for uh, uh, on DVD for a couple of years ago. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, for, the for best, as fantastic as Elizabeth Selwyn. I want to throw that out there real quick. This actress didn't oh, she's fantastic. six productions. Yeah. Six productions, and she couldn't have been a better character in this film from the very first second that she comes on screen until Lovely. the very last second she's on screen. She is absolutely... She and, and Christopher Lee go hand in hand per, with perfection as and, and Valentine as well. Uh, you know, and, and and I want to throw this out there, too, on the scene where, you know, it, it's a similar structure to the movie I mentioned earlier, The Crimson Cult. They're almost the same plot in many ways, um, the same film. And it, it, the scene where she discovers the actress, you know, that goes missing, discovers what her fate is going to be in this candle mess eve in this town. Um, and, and a lot of the a lot of the, the folklore is very Salem very Salem, Massachusetts sort of world. Yeah. I mean, you grew up in that area. I spent a lot of time in Salem over the last 20 years. I was in Salem almost every year for 20, 25 years. I know the yes. area very, very well. And the, the folklore of Salem is very similar to the way that this folklore runs and the way the house is looking and everything. So they got it all right. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. there is so much more to this movie than just that, what they used to call it on the internet, that late night movie with witches that nobody can remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it it's, it's an excellent production. It couldn't be something better. You know, right. It's classic. Yeah. And I, I went to uh, Salem State College, so yeah, I'm very familiar with that area There you as go. Well. Ex ex exactly. <laughs> yeah. Point at, point at any house in that town, and that's exactly what the exterior is of this film look like, you know, and, and, and oh, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, absolutely. It's, it's, it's perfect. It, it, it fits so well. In fact, I probably watched it on vacation when I was there one time. This <laughs> films like That's awesome. with me. I probably did. I watched all that bewitched episodes when I was there one year. Just oh, nice. It. I did. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That's great. So, yeah, you, you guys mentioned that, you, you know, obviously this year you're doing the Christopher Lee theme. Um, you had already done a Peter Cushing theme. Have you ever done a Vincent Price theme? Yes. Yeah, well, we've done Vincent Price nights. Um, so, and we've done, we've shown a lot of Vincent Price movies. But the, but the, we, you know, like we've done the five films as a double feature. We've done a whole night of the um, Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman movies with Vincent Price. Um, oh, cool. And then we've shown, you know, here and there a lot, a lot of Price movies. We've shown Last Man on Earth. We've shown Theater of Blood, uh, The Oblong Box, Scream and Scream Again. Uh, like I said, the Fives movies. Probably a few yep. more. I can't. I, yeah. Nice. Nice. So now, Gene, I think at this point, 
I, I've only known you guys for like a two or three years, but I think at this point I can kind of already know, know that you're thinking about the 2023 April event already. Um, am we I correct are, in that we assessment? Both are. We are. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and I would say so much so that I have it been so much so that it's already in my head. Can you give us any hints at all? Um, the kids will dig it. That's the hint. Okay. That's a what? The kids will dig it. I don't mean I don't mean little kids. I mean the young folks will like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, man. Right. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, No. Anyway, here's the thing. Yeah, I want to talk about that real quick. That process. We're already tossing, you know, ultimately it's his decision because he's a promoter and he, he really does a lot of the programming. But I'm always sort of poking and saying, uh, okay, well, here's the crazy left turn. Let's do this, you know. <laughs> and we, we've already gone into that foray already, that discussion. And uh, there is actually, I think, George, between the two of us, we came up with more than enough to double program that whole weekend. So, the process over the next six months or whatever, how many months will be to sort of, you know, selecting and, and individually and, you know, putting all your ducks in a row. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, totally. And the same way for fall next year. I think we're looking uh, at a bigger open opportunity here for the fall programming. Um, you know, George has a lot of strong ideas to, to do some different things. And, you know, the Jalio Palooza that he created was outrageously successful. Um, those two Spanish horror nights he planned were, were massive. Um, I was slack-jawed, to be honest with you. I didn't feel they wouldn't be successful, but I couldn't believe the amount of attention and success that existed for them. You know, and it's the same yeah. with Jalapalooza. Jalapalooza. Well, I always said that with the, with the Spanish stuff, if you have titles like House of Psychotic Absolutely. Women and Orgy of the Vampires on the, mar- <laughs> on the marquee, people, kids, young people, people, Eddie, you know, uh, curious people are going to want to come, so it's right. Like, sure, absolutely, yes. And usually those Spanish films they they live up to the title, to tell you the truth. So, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I was I think... uh, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say Dracula's Great Love. We we screened that the one September. Um, I was, you know, with the, the, the lesbian blood covered noose. <laughs> I was <laughs> sitting in the picnic table at the riverside going, well, he's done it now. You know, <laughs> I never thought I'd be sitting here watching this while I'm eating a pizza. But, you know, I think at that moment you realize, I think at that moment you realize how far you can push the audience, uh, to trying something new when they see that sort of stuff. And it, it was extremely, uh, successful that night. So that's a good right, right. Yeah. Um, I actually had a couple questions I forgot to ask about this year's, this September's, um, or this month's showing. Um, was it difficult? To, uh, well, first of all, were there any films that you wanted to show but you couldn't get for whatever reason? And was it, with the ones you did choose, was it difficult choosing the order of the films? Yes, because I'll tell you something. The, the, I wanted to show The Creeping Flesh. Oh yeah, which is one of my favorites. Again, the reason why is uh, because Sony doesn't. It's it's owned by Sony. We could probably get it, but there's no. Uh, I don't think they they have a 35 print. I don't think they have a DCP made, and um, you know we don't want to just show you know put something to. We we need a source, in other words, and 
And it was like, I want to show the film. I love the film so much. I just didn't want to throw it on there. And we already have Horror Express. So we have kind of like the, the we have a lot of Cushing and Lee. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to save it. Because I can, you know, hopefully we'll be doing this for a long time and I could just throw it on a program of whatever, you know, like it could be for a random show, night of 70s horror movies or something or, you know. Right. I'm not worried about it because it could be shown in the future still. But that was one of them that I was really thought was going to be on this weekend, but we didn't. The, the, the order, Gene was like... To the devil's daughter, I think, you know, should be later than... I'm like, no, I'm paying a lot of money to show to the devil's daughter. <laughs> and it's got to be, oh, you know, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean... <laughs> I think I think it's, it's, rough, it's because it's of this... It. It's rough to choose. It's rough for him to choose the, 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 the order of these films. It's really a rough thing because... Tour Hotel is spectacular, but it ended up in the last spot, you know, for whatever reason. And when George does this, it's a difficult, it's a very, very difficult decision because, you know, you have to headline each night with something big, like Curse is perfect uh, for Friday. And, and of course, Wicker Man, Wicker Man would have to be one of the first movies. It can't possibly be second. So right. you start out with finding the two major films and then working your it's like being a dj you know the room you know the energy you know the crowd so yeah. he picks the two top movies that are going to sell because you got to figure a percentage of people the demographic wise coming to this movie this weekend if they choose to come one night or come two nights and not stay okay they're they're bang for the buck of the first two films so it's going to yeah. be yeah. two things there's a nice devil header and then exactly. you can the third film you can work in sort of like uh something that's a little more esoteric, but extremely popular. And then I, you know, despite the fact that we have, there's another person that we've got in this show, we love him, but he always calls him the last slot, the, the, what's he called, the shit, the slip, the shit slot or something. I don't even want to <laughs> say what he, I can't. He calls it the, he, 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 he referred it once to the, the, the a-hole slot a or slot. something like that. <laughs> the here, here's, slot. here's the thing about it. That slot is actually the, the hottest slot in the world because I can run down the films like the uh, Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Thing, Shockwave. I mean, there have been so many incredibly big films. With uh, Tron wasn't in that position, was it? Tron was third, right? When we did Tron. What was it? I don't think Tron. No, Fox was. No, Fox was uh, was was higher on the. No, on Trog. The... Trog with Joe. Oh, Trog. Trog. No, no, Trog was a. Trog was second. Was the second okay? But there's you know why? Do you know, I'll tell you why. Because because Taste of Blood Dracula was first, and since okay. Trog was originally the double feature, I wanted that. I wanted them to be together. Yeah, yeah. So All Trog right. was nice. second. But there's yeah, been so awesome. many movies that he's thrown in that last slot. You know, Children Should Play with Dead Things was the greatest thing to air in that slot because it was cold and lonely and foggy and spooky, and it fit that spot. And, and and the house that screamed, remember the with the, the fog? The screen was the house that screamed. The entire I can't believe I showed that list. I don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it was amazing, and it's like there is something very special about that last slot. So that last slot is, in so many cases, if we were to, if we were all to sit down and look at all the stuff through the years for April and September, you would find that last slot with some of the most unique best films that both he and I hold close to our hearts 
So it's the bad people. <laughs> it, it's rough the bad people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's another one. Well, you can thank we can thank Bill for that one. No, you know, <laughs> Bill wanted us to show that. I tell you, and I'm yeah. I'm tell Bill. Well, I'll tell Bill again. <laughs> That that film was really like difficult to get because the stu- not only the studio charged a lot for the print, but like the print right. was like in storage. And then at the last minute, they said, "Oh, we we, we got to pay the storage bill to get it out of storage." So I like I paid a ridiculous amount of money for the bad people. Yeah, only like me, Bill and Jean, really appreciated it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a but I, was the two dark shadows films plus. Uh, the House of Drip Blood, and that was the fourth one that night. That was yeah. really and that was the most difficult night. thing to get was that bat people. Right. And uh, wow, wow, it's bringing back memories. It's amazing. But, but <laughs> getting back to your question about the schedule, yeah, it was a given from the beginning that Curse of Frankenstein would have opened one night, and the Wicker Man would have opened another night with this. Right. Store. That makes yeah. sense. That's awesome. And there's other Lee films I would have you know liked to show and still show, but. You know, you you got to know, and it's like what's available and, and, and what the source is and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So. Exactly, exactly. Well, guys, I was so glad you came here. I just want to remind the listeners that the uh, Drive-In Super Monsterama presents the Christopher Lee Centenary Celebration the end of this month, 2022, September 23rd and 24th. And you guys can, can be found on your Facebook page of the same name. I think you can also look up Riverside Drive-In Theater, too, and that'll link to towards this page, too. Am yep. I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Love talking to you guys about horror movies and stuff that we grew up with and all thank that. Thank you very and, much. I, we really appreciate it. We yeah, always it was a lot of fun. Anytime. We're like... Yeah, well, we, we like to talk, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to do a six-hour show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we could do one so easily. So, uh, first of all, I'm looking forward to having you guys on uh, in anticipation of next April's event. So, we'll have to talk, like, the month before. Yeah. And then, um, you know, in between now and then, if you guys want to come on, you're more than welcome to. You've got an open invitation, talk about any kind of horror movie or, you know, any horror topic. And in fact, I do a live streaming show uh, once a month, the first Sunday of every month called Fright Lounge. And um, it's with Bill. And um, we talk about. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are more than welcome to come on that, too, if you want to, you know, talk horror. Definitely. Absolutely, anytime. Just let us we, know. We appreciate yeah. it. So you're our first big yeah. press of the season. So thanks awesome. for that very much. We appreciate it. No problem. That, we, we that and we were on the end of a Hardee's commercial in, in Pittsburgh. We what? Oh, nice. <laughs> we were at the end of a Hardee's commercial on Pittsburgh. They mentioned the show. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. yeah. One second, and this I want to mention again too. Don't forget that that. Um, you know, we're talking here that we were the voted the the uh, number one film event of the of the city of Pittsburgh for 2022. So wow. in Pittsburgh did Magazine, ha- in Pittsburgh Magazine, yeah. Magazine. Did that happen yeah. after we had our last interview with you? We, Absolutely, yes, we, it did. Yeah, I know. How can we forget yes, that? We yeah. Did. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yay us! Had the number one film event in Pittsburgh. Voted the That's one, amazing. Not voted. It was not vote. We were written. At, it's not a vote. It's a. It's we were written up as in the magazine as the best right. in the Pittsburgh magazine. So that's a great honor. And, you know, that's just, that's that, when you know, you know, what you've been doing is really touching people, yep. you know. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We've got, a, we've got a lot of, we've got oh, oh, almost 400 listeners in Pennsylvania. So that's really awesome. 
Cool. And they should all be at our show. So everyone listen. They should all listen. be there. <laughs> Go on that internet, buy that ticket, and you know, save a little popcorn money for them guys out there. And come see me and get a shirt, and you'll be happy for the rest of your life. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Off his back. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much, and look forward to having you guys on again. And we'll see you. Thank great you, Ron. Great to be here. Thank right. you. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Right. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed this interview with George and Jean. Don't forget to check out the Drive-In Super Monsterama coming in April. Uh, the contact information, the Facebook page, I should say, will be in the show notes of this episode. So please check it out. And if you're in the area or you're able to go, uh, do check it out. It's really fun. Uh, I went a couple years ago. It was great. I really loved it. I wish I could go more often. It's just I'm in Maine and Pennsylvania's kind of far away. So, um, yeah, so check out the Drive-In Super Monsterama, the Christopher Lee Centenary Celebration, September 23rd and 24th, 2022. So if you didn't already know, we've started up a new live monthly streaming show. Bill Van Rin from Groovy Doom and the Drive-In Asylum Double Feature and I have teamed up to host a streaming video called Fright Lounge in which we... In which we discuss all horror media. If you're unsure if you want to get into horror or are a seasoned horror fan, this is the show for you. You can check out all the details at havenpodcast.com and the Fright Lounge link is on the right. Fright Lounge also has a Facebook page at facebook.com slash Fright Lounge, which is where you'll be able to keep up to date on all our broadcasting dates and times. We'll be live on Facebook and YouTube simultaneously, and that's how we've been doing it. We've had a few technical issues up to episode six, but... Um, we did pretty good last time, except I kind of screwed up the, the uh, end credits. But <laughs> So um, we've also got another show for you, a new podcast that um, award-winning blogger Robert Manell and I have teamed up to bring you. It's called The Cult Movie Lounge Podcast, where we'll talk about cult films through the decades. There's so many different genres and subgenres of, of cult movies that I couldn't explain it all here, but you're going to have to check it out. You can also... Uh, you can find all that information at havenpodcasts.com. Um, I also wanted to remind you that Patreon is a place where you can support artists. And we've got some cool stuff going on there, including our exclusive filmmaker series where we talk to writers, directors, producers, basically anybody behind the scenes in film and television. So uh, go to havenpodcasts.com and click on our Patreon link. It's only 3 bucks a month, the same price as a cup of coffee. And when you sign up, you'll be entered into a monthly contest to win actor Sean Kanan's book Way of the Cobra it's really good it really helped me so I'd like to share that with everybody so that's why we're kind of giving away a copy of that um, we've also got some designs some awesome designs on our T public page that you love so grab them up now and we want your feedback. If you like what you're hearing here, uh, please email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. Then Is Now podcast is a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So please be sure to check out the other great shows there at the Network.com. Also on our website at havenpodcasts.com is our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti western movies. And Then Is Now is on YouTube, so please visit youtube.com slash user slash Uncle Death One to get the latest videos 
as well as other fun videos. And if you could subscribe to our YouTube page, that'd be awesome. And um, don't forget to share it with your friends, get them to subscribe as well, and hit that little bell so that you get all the notifications when we put new videos out. And lastly, please, if, if you're enjoying this show, if you like what you're hearing, if you want more, if you want other, to help other people find us, go wherever you download your podcast from, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, one of those, where, wherever that you download them from. And please leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. It makes, it, uh, it makes us available so that you know people doing a search uh, will find our podcast. It'll pop up for them. Um, you can find us on all the podcasting apps, as I mentioned, uh, including the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. The Now Podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media. shows like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com